this was because I wasn't trusting myself first and foremost. Yeah. I put myself in a predicament that could have potentially cost my my life. I'm Jen Dean, and this is The Gardenia Project, Episode 2. Like a lot of things in life, trusting yourself and standing up for yourself may be something that you have to practice, because it wasn't something you were taught how to do. Or maybe you're worried that you're going to make a mistake, so you don't listen to your gut. Or like a lot of us, you were told that to really be a good girl, you should just be quiet. Most of us aren't tested in the same way that Elizabeth was. And that's what our story today is about. What happens when you should have stood up for yourself and you didn't? And what do you take away from that kind of experience? How does it change you? This is her story. What's the story that made you realize how strong you are, even if you didn't feel that way at the time? Okay, here goes. Uh, so in <clears throat> 2009, I was living in Bolivia, and I was living and working there. And at the end of my trip, I had some downtime before I was going to meet a friend and family member in Peru. And so a couple that I had met through the work that I was doing in Bolivia said that they were going to hike a glacier. And I thought, that sounds like a really great idea. I have some time. Why not? And you've been hiking before. This isn't yes. like, oh my God, I have no clue what I'm doing, right? Yes and no. So I had, uh, in college, I was an expedition guide. So I led backpacking, kayaking, and trips of that nature. But I had never climbed a glacier before. So, so I'm used to extreme settings, but not quite of this nature. Okay. Uh, so we headed out to La Paz, which is the capital of Bolivia, and we're about to hike this glacier. So it's a three-day hike. And they tell you to be acclimated, and I thought I was pretty acclimated because I had lived uh, at high altitude in another part of Bolivia, but it's still it's still pretty extreme because it is quite high. So we start off on this three-day trek, and so what this trek consists of uh, is the first day you hike up to a cottage point that you can stay at um, to get acclimated and then you do test runs where you put on your crampons and you have your ice picks and everything and you're figuring out how to navigate through and on a um, glacier and then the next day you hike up to another place that you're going to stay and you get there about 5 p.m and then you eat and you sleep and about midnight that's when you do your ascent and that's the start of the official hike. The to start the of the summit. The summit. summit. Yeah. And so you do it at midnight because that's when everything's frozen. So it's the least dangerous at that time. Okay. So uh, there were five groups, two people in each group. Everyone had a guide. And we were eating dinner, which was like hot dogs or something absolutely horrible. And one of the guides was complaining about Americans. And I was the only American. I was traveling with two um, Italians. And then I was grouped with a French guy. And I've heard before that people have traveled and they, they get ridiculed by people because they're Americans. But for some reason, I've, through traveling... To to over 50 countries, I've never had a problem. They're like, wow, you're exciting. You're not like typical Americans. But this was a situation where I've never felt the same degree of just being... I think you described it before. They seemed almost hostile. 
hostile. Yeah, hostile and just discriminatory in a way mm-hmm. um, that I never experienced before. It's like, why don't you get to know me? Why are you making right. assumptions about who I am? And second of all, you're my guide. You're getting paid to bring me up this mountain, so you're ridiculing me before I go. So about midnight, we wake up and we put on all our gear, and I'm with the French guy and my guide, and then the Italian couple was together, and so we started the ascent. There's a couple of things that are extremely hard. One, you have like layers and layers of clothes on, so you really feel like a Pillsbury Doughboy. Like it's just really hard to move. Two, you have crampons on, which you're not used to. Three, you have this huge ice pick that you're not used to carrying. And four, you're tied together to your guide and the person behind you. And they had very, very short leads. So instead of most climbers have longer leads so that you can walk at your own pace, but you're attached to someone. These had extremely short leads. So I was literally being pulled by the guide in front of me and the guy behind me. As by the I'm, rope that you've the tied. The rope, yes. yes. Yeah. Yep. So there's constant tension being pulled backward and pulled forward at the same time. And you'd never had that happen before? I've never been on a lead before. No. Okay. No. Okay. Never had to. But in all my studying of mountaineering, this this wasn't the way you were supposed to right. do it. They were too they were too close together, clearly. Right. Clearly too close together. So about two in the morning The Italian girl decides that she was experiencing altitude sickness, so she wanted to go back. So the guide was going to bring her back. And her boyfriend at the time uh, said he didn't want to leave. So we allowed the Italian to join our group. So now it's the guide, me, the French guy, and the Italian. So she And she takes back one of the guides right. with her right. when she goes down. Right. So now you have how many people in your group? So there's four, four of us total. Okay. Right. So we head out, uh, and about four in the morning... We get to uh, a place of exposure. So we're just about over a crest, and now the, we were protected for a, a long time. So the wind wasn't affecting us. It wasn't quite as cold. So it's four in the morning. We come over this lift, and um, the winds are howling. It's super, it's just extremely, extremely cold. One of the other guides who was making fun of me earlier that evening said, Do you still have the American? And like, <laughs> understand you <laughs> speaking right. in Spanish but I can understand you Hi. did you yeah. did you get rid of me like oh is this God. what do you this what was more traumatic for me is that for guiding I've never experienced this before their whole point is to assist the weakest link and right. at that point I wasn't even the weakest link yet right, right. Um, but there's no incentive or motivation to have people achieve or summit and that's the whole point that they're there so and I think you described too before when we were talking about the whole way that this works with guides and with a group of people is they're supposed to be sort of a bonding a connection you're all helping each other out it doesn't matter who you are you're this is hard and you have to have each other's backs to get to the end result of whatever hike you're on, right? So this is just part of the ethics and morals of being a guide and being in this group. And it didn't start off this way and it didn't continue that way. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. So uh, we continued a little bit further and I've had frostbite in my fingers before. Mm -hmm. So it got to a point that uh, the guide had stopped to try to check my fingers to see if they were okay. And then he was rubbing my fingers just to make sure they were fine. And at that point, I started being affected by the altitude. I started, I had pain in my stomach, but I also started feeling a little dizzy. And we started going over crevasses that were about a mile, a mile um, 
down. So if anyone fell and who knows, like, I mean, you're just on these little ice bridges and it's just, it's just very treacherous and potentially hazardous. And we have these short leads. So if one of us falls, there is no way that the guide has enough time to prevent the rest of us from falling. There's just absolutely no way. If you had longer leads, you would start to feel some tension and then you could stick your ice pick. But the fact that we were like, a good visual is seeing those little kids as they're walking down the street and they're all like kindergarteners and they're they're all all tied super close together. All tied super close together. That's what I felt like. like, One goes, we're all going. We're all going. Then I just felt uncomfortable. So I asked the Italian guy who I'd known for a month, we had done some work together and I said I just need to have a conversation with you I just need to figure out if what the best move is going forward these are the conditions I'm under I feel dizzy my stomach really hurts this could be altitude I'm not sure I want to make a wise decision for the group knowing that if one of us falls then the rest of us are going down and so he harshly said it's up to you it you have to make that decision with no type of discourse or trying to hear me out or whatever. So no conversation. No You're conversation. asking for a conversation yes. and he says, no. 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 <laughs> right. Awesome. And so we started going further and that's when it clicked for me that I was part, I was doing this for me. I wanted to summit this great and incredible hike, but I also was doing it for the group because if we turn around now, we all turn around. That should, that was potentially protocol so so in your mind you're aware of this if i give up now the whole group has to go back because the guide has to go back down with me right okay and so but then i realize that the group doesn't even care about me at all this isn't we're doing this together this isn't teamwork let's try to figure out this situation it's each man for his own and we want to summit and it doesn't matter your condition or what's happening to you Uh, Which has to be a terrifying realization on the side of a mountain in the middle of the night in the freezing cold. Like there's so many factors here. And then emotionally you realize that you're tied super close together with a group of people that clearly don't give a shit. Yes. (laughs) Like, oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. So, and that, that was huge to me. Because I don't think I've ever been in another situation quite like that. I mean, I've done a lot of hiking trips and that was about building the camaraderie, building the experience. Like mm-hmm. you're in this to all succeed. You're in this all to thrive. And never I've, had I been in a situation where it was each man for his own that I, it's all about me getting to where I'm going. So I, I just, I just hit a wall then. I was like, then I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I am not risking my health, my life, anything else for you so that you can get to the summit without even considering me at all in this scenario. So, and by that point, obviously I was getting more dizzy and the crevasses were getting narrower and the wind was picking up and my fingers were frozen. So it wasn't like I didn't want to give up. There wasn't a point that I wanted to give up, but I'm like, I actually have to make a decision for me. This has to be a decision for me. And if I feel like I'm in a situation where I'm not going to survive, then the only one who at fault now is me because I didn't make that decision. So I said, let's turn around. So we turned around and started heading back. And then my guide said to me, well, let's just leave her on the side of the mountain 
and will continue up. And I was horrified but shocked because I had never heard anyone that would leave someone. Uh, another fundamental aspect of mountaineering, you never leave anyone. You don't, you don't, you just don't leave them. Like this would never be a uh, consideration. And I know this, it's so funny because I was waiting for this, right? And we've, we've had this conversation and you've told me this story and I just had the same reaction that I had the first time. Like my stomach dropped. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I can't believe that that is part of what actually happens in your story. Mm -hmm. It's such, it's so bizarre to me. So I just remember saying, it's four in the morning and it's dark. There's no way I'm gonna survive out here if you leave me here. There's no way. So we started heading down further and I was adamant that this isn't acceptable because I didn't actually think that was an option because no other person yet had been just left there. They turn around. So you're telling them, don't leave me. Right. Okay. So we probably hiked another 45 minutes down, um, back down, and the sun started coming up. Uh, I was just extremely apologetic at this point because you have all this time that you start descending and thinking I'm responsible, that we're all not going. And just there's a lot of feelings of feeling inadequate that like, oh, they're probably judging me because I'm a woman and because I can't make it and I'm the weakest link sure. and I'm usually not the weakest link. So sure. here's a case where I might be. And all these things are running through your head. So I start apologizing to the guide and he turns around harshly and says, you should apologize to them. They paid for it. And I remember thinking, we all paid for it. I paid for it too. So I don't understand. And at that point, his responses were harsh and a little bit abusive as if this was all of my fault. You spent too long thinking that I don't want to ruin everyone else's experience because of this. So finally he said, well, the sun is coming up, so we're going to leave you here and we're going to go to the summit. And by that point, I'm totally exhausted, fatigued, feel like I've been verbally abused in some ways and not knowing that I really have any other choice or enough energy to say, no, you're not leaving me here. Sure. So the guide staked me to the, staked my ice pick into the ground and then left me there. So So it cuts your rope. Well, undid. Like undoes you. Yeah, undoes me ties me to, to the my, ice pick to the ice pick uh-huh. which forces me to sit down so i right. can't even stand up so then you think about all the heat that's going out of my bottom because it's yeah. touching the ice right yeah. the, the only heat i possibly have left so i'm sitting there on this exposed face looking over these gorgeous mountain tops and the clouds are just like it was one of the most beautiful sceneries i've ever seen and they leave me to go ascend the mountain And I remember sitting there being like, oh, wow, this could be it. There's no way I can get down. I can't. First of all, I can't get out because I don't have enough strength in my hand to actually pull this ice pick out of the ground. And second of all, it's not a path. It's exposure over snow-capped hills and crevasses. And there's no way I could ever get down. So I have no idea if they're ever going to pick me up. He had said that we'll try to get you back on the way back. And if someone else picks you up, you can go down with them. But never in my life have I been like, I could just, I could die up, I could die up here. This could be it. Yeah. And probably if I had felt that a little bit sooner, I could have argued better. But 
it didn't sink until when I was totally abandoned, sitting there, getting colder and colder and colder. Did I realize that, wow, I might have just accepted my fate to never leave this mountain, which is a super scary feeling. And then at that point, I realized that if this is the way I'm going to go, I don't know how much time I have left, but I'm not going to let these evil people who have decided to do this dominate my last thoughts. And so I just remember taking time to be thankful for this beautiful scenery I've seen and that even if I got to the top of the mountain, I would have never had time to like take in this amount of beauty all at the same time because we would summit to the top, we would look at it for a second, and then we would start descending. And here's an opportunity where I'm exposed to this beautiful, gorgeous scenery, these incredible mountaintops. I'm at the top of the world, and I just began praying and being thankful for the life that I've been given and the opportunities that I've had. And I'm like, this. I'm not letting them take away my joy. I'm not letting them take away my joy. I have to say... I love that. I love, love, love that that tells me at the core who you are. Because I think that everybody still had a choice at that point. You had a choice to sit there in misery and absolute terror and fear and anger. And you would have been totally justified to do so. But you didn't. You were like, okay, screw you guys. I'm going to, you just, you had the wherewithal even to still be like, no, if this is, if this is the end, I'm going to go out in a positive, joyful way where I can see all this beauty. I'm like, I think that's why we're friends. (laughs) I mean, I love that about you. That's so fantastic. Well, it's interesting because I don't think that I, that translates necessarily into my everyday life (laughs) as often as it should. I just think it was one of those, I have a choice. If this is going to be the last moments of my life, how am I going to spend it? Absolutely. Um, And it's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> We're never usually in that predicament. It's like, how right. am I going to spend the next 10 minutes? Well, I'm going to bitch and complain about something. Absolutely. Um, to try to t- change my circumstances. But that was out of my... I couldn't change my circumstances. There was right. no arguing my way out of it or right. reasoning or rationalizing or I could have done X, Y, and Z. It was like, I'm. this is my here and now. This is what I have. Right. And But it's still a choice. Right. You're there right. you were. You're right. You were like, yeah. well, I'm super angry and I'm terrified, but I guess I'll just choose to... Look at it this way. Right. So you're with me. What happened? <laughs> so uh, four hours, four long, agonizing hours later. Oh, my God. The gentleman, ironically, who had said, did you lose the American yet? That guy came down with the Brazilian couple that he was leading up the mountain. And uh, I called his attention. And he said, no, I don't think we should take her. And the Brazilian girl was Horrified, She's like, absolutely, we're taking her down. So they let me strap in with them. We got back down. And I was able to connect with the Italian again and just like the girl that had made it back down. Um, and to find out that they project that, you know, um, 100% of people actually summit this. But really, in actuality, less than 25 do. Uh, so mm-hmm. out of all of our groups, only two out of the five ascend ascended this time two of the groups two of the groups yeah. ascended this time i think partially that has more to do with bad guiding than it has to do with anything sure. else Sure, it would sound like it so fast forward i started to recover the uh my group eventually came back down and i went and asked the italian how he was doing and he 
proceeded to yell at me and say that I made horrible decisions and threatened their safety. And because they chose to ascend as the sun came up, it was more dangerous because things obviously started melting. And if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have ever been put in a situation. I remember thinking, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't even made it to the summit because you would have turned around with your girlfriend right. t- two hours into right. it. So I'm, I'm still curious of how this is all my fault. I'm still curious about why there is such hostility and anger. And so we proceeded down. The guide was still mean and ridiculous on the way down. And for the next three days, I was staying in a hostel with this Italian guy and his girlfriend, and he refused to talk to me for three days. And I'm Italian. So I know that we can get like a little bit irrational at moments and get heated. We're passionate about things. I understand. But when three days after and you, Mm. why am I still the one who's being punished? being punished for something that the majority of people were turned around anyways. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't prevent him from actually being successful in what right. he did, yet I'm the one. So, so yes. All right, so when you look back, and you look back on the situation from where the, pers- the perspective that you're at now, do you realize that, that there's something in there that changed you to your core? Do you feel like this was sort of a life-changing experience, and if so, why? So right prior to this experience, I had been traveling around the world for a year by myself. And so what I think that does, first of all, it changes your perspective and the fact that I have no one else to lean on. And the people that I do meet along the way that were wonderful and caring and great, they were absolutely hospitable. There's only a level of trust that you can bestow on them because you don't know them. Right. And so to be alone for an entire year, meeting community and creating some of the most amazing experiences in my life, I felt alone. I felt that entire year that there was this type of loneliness, that I didn't have the family and friends and the, the relationships that I had yearned for. But I guess two things is that I think I innately believed that people are good yeah. and that people want the best for other people. Yep. And I also innately somehow still credit people in their professions is knowing what the hell they're doing. And so I would say, okay, so he's a guide. He's had years of experience doing this. And so therefore he has to be credible. Just how we look at mechanics and well, not maybe mechanics, but we look at like doctors and every other profession. Well, sure, no, if you take your car and you expect them to make it right. so that you're not going to get in a crash and die. Right. Like, there's a certain level of trust in every profession right. that has exactly. to be there. Exactly. Um, and I and I did think that I, I struggle with trusting people. I struggle with being vulnerable. And so these are, this is my sign of being, I'm putting myself in your hands. I'm allowing you to guide me. Yeah. I'm allowing you to see me up this mountain. Uh, and I'm not going to always question what you're doing because I assume that you are an expert in, in the field that you're in. So what I learned is that if I don't trust myself first and foremost, mm-hmm. that I'm going to create these scenari- these false scenarios of vulnerability that put me actually in more harm's way than in better situations. And so this wasn't necessarily a form of trust and vulnerability. This was because I wasn't trusting myself first and foremost. I put myself in a predicament that could have potentially cost my, my life. Now, I don't necessarily look back and think that there could be changes like what would I've done differently right right I'm except that. for the fact that I could have been more adamant of 
about returning altogether and not being left there. That's probably the only thing that I could have done. Uh, But I'm always bewildered of how cruel people treat other people. And it's just, it's, it's so far, it's so mind boggling to me that I'm like, this can't be happening. And so then I, then I question it's even, even if it's happening, like this can't be happening. This can't be happening. Right. Like at the time there was, you know, you're in extreme circumstances, but I can see in, in different situations where you would say you would doubt yourself because because you have trust or you're looking for the good in people right. or, you know, this must be me, not right. them. I think that that was one of the things that I realized when we talked about this before was that no matter what, it's so important for us to stand up for ourselves in every and any situation when there's a time it's being questioned. You know, it's, it's the idea of like, go with your gut and stand up for yourself no matter what. And I think it's a really tough lesson to learn and we all learn it in different ways. And hopefully it's not in an extreme way like you had to experience but I do feel like that was you know when we talked about it before and I thought of this story repeatedly I would think yeah because it was all about you being able to stand up for yourself on the side of a mountain under extreme duress and how hard that would be and the other piece that I thought about that I kind of loved and wanted to bring up was this Bolivian woman who god love her yelled at the guide and was like no you're not leaving her there and thank god for that woman Mm. Who did stand yeah. up for you and did and you know if there's a silver lining in you know all the negativity of the people that were around you here's this woman that you didn't know that did stand up for you so when people treat us harshly it's it's subjective we we yeah. process all these things in our mind of did we deserve this how did we project ourselves all of these different things but when we see someone being mean or harsh to someone we love or that we know we look at it a little bit more objectively because we're seeing the whole situation unfold right. we have a different view and a different angle and so when it's happening to someone else we love and know we're like no we're not standing for this this right. is ridiculous this right. is out of the norm and so it's like this is ridiculous period but when it's happening to you it's like this is ridiculous but is this actually happening now why is this happening am I missing something what's what's going on so I've been working a lot about how would I if I so adamantly will care and love the people in my life how will then I do that for myself how do I look at this is unacceptable behavior for anyone or someone that I would know and so it, it, it allows me more grace because sometimes I'm like, well, I'm tough enough. I can handle this. This isn't that big of a deal. But if it were to happen to anyone else in my life, then I would be like, no, you have to fight for the things that are right for you. And that you have to stand up for yourself in these ways. And I guess I've never experienced it this extreme that I didn't know it would come to such a dire straits where I'd have to be able to consider what will happen if I don't stand up for myself? Yeah. What will happen if I don't realize the value and who I am enough to actually get down from this mountain Yeah, um, and not take this continual abusive behavior? Um, and how do I do that in my everyday to give myself grace to trust people again? Because yeah. I think that there's there's an aspect of doubt like I, I can't fully trust you because you probably don't have my best interests in mind. If I keep reminding myself to give myself grace and trust myself First, I often can create completely different scenarios than if I don't trust myself and I allow someone's abusive behavior to convince me otherwise that this is normal. Right. (laughs) It's a really big lesson. It seems very obvious. Like when we sit here and talk about it and you look back on that story, it seems so obvious 
that you should have said, you cannot, you absolutely cannot tie me to this ice pick and leave me on the side of this mountain. It's what you would say to me or any of your friends. Hi, sweetheart, we have a dog with us <laughs> who just made herself known. It's what you would do for anybody else. And it's so much harder to do for ourselves. I'm sorry you had to experience that, but I so appreciate you telling and sharing your story because I know it was really, really hard. And um, love that you're trying to work on that in everyday life now, as we all are. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends. And if you would like to find out more about the Gardenia Project, apply to be part of it yourself or have someone you know who might want to be part of it, you can find that information and also a few more portraits of Elizabeth over on my website, jendeanphoto.com, and you'll see the Gardenia Project tab. I'll see you soon. Well, you know, not really see you. You'll hear me soon? Something like that. Radio is weird. That beautiful music in the background was created by the amazing Keith Kenneth, and you can check out more of his work at unseenmusic.com. If you have a project and you're looking for music, that is definitely the place to go.